Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. Today, we're going to be talking about sales promotional activities, which there are a lot of questions that we get in the group around, how do I get clients? Where do I find clients? Should I be on Instagram? Should I be doing email marketing? Should I be creating referral relationships with financial planners? So hopefully this is going to be a helpful topic for those of you who have questions about what should I be doing to get clients? So I'm excited and let's dive in. Where do you want to start? Uh, probably defining sales promotions would probably be helpful. I think that's a good place to start. Let's yeah. do that. Um, so we're going to go like zoom way out to get into sales promotion because it's important to realize in general, all elements, it's important to realize how they fit into the ecosystem, but especially sales promotions. Okay. So we're going to zoom way out to marketing. And right? so one of the fundamental functions of the business is the marketing function. Uh, the marketing function is focused on the customer, and it is it's broken into four subcategories. Here's the professor in you coming out. Let's <laughs> do course. it. Of course, um, and these are oftentimes called the four P's of marketing. Right. So the first one is product. Product is literally what satisfies customers' needs. Why customers buy? Right. The second is price which is somewhat self-explanatory. The third is place, which is how the customers get the product, right? your service or your goods. Uh, and it's called place because marketers love alliteration. <laughs> and the fourth one is promotion, which is what stereotypically people shoebox marketing into. Within promotion, there is, so that's called the marketing mix. Then there's the promotion mix because promotion breaks down. And the four primary breakdowns within promotion are advertising. And yep. Advertising is one too many promotion. So it's the same message goes out to a bunch of people and we pay to have it distributed to those people. Okay. okay. Public relations or publicity, PR or pl publicity. Okay. That is one-to-many communication. So one message goes out to lots of people, but we don't pay to have it distributed. We might hire someone or pay for the stamps for the envelopes to send to the newspapers, but we don't pay the newspapers to run the article. Right? So that's the right. fundamental difference. Then there's sales, which is one-to-one -one communication. And everyone kind of has an understanding of what sales is. Okay. Kind of. Um, but realize that customer service is sales. Right. It's just ongoing sales with people who bought from you before. <laughs> and then there is sales promotion. So each of these four things have a whole bunch of subcategories underneath them that break down into small things that smaller things as well. 
Um, and what we're focusing on today is sales promotion. And what sales promotion is, is all of the activities, all of the materials, all of the elements of what you do in your marketing ecosystem that directly support sales. Hmm. So advertising indirectly supports sales because it generates demand or positions a product within a person's mind or sends a product, a person to a store. Yeah. Sales promotions directly support. So that would be when you're at the store talking to the sales rep, to the clerk, and there is that nice little cardboard display that really showcases the products nicely. That cardboard display is an example of a sales. And so the, that's what we're talking about today is that idea of sales promotion. And there's a really key thing that I want everyone to realize that you know this, but you have no idea that you know it. Have you ever in your entire life, Garrett, had a sales conversation with someone, meaning as a customer, with a legitimate business, meaning a business that is somewhat sophisticated, and that there were no sales promotion materials whatsoever, meaning it was just the person talking to you? That I, like in that conversation, there were no sales promotional materials or like yeah. I'd never seen them ever before. No, during the sales conversation, there were no sales promotion. I feel, oh, but like, a, am thinking now of like one-off coaches, um, you know, right. We're, we're so looking for sophisticated things. Sophisticated, yeah. That, that no, where, not, yeah. They actually have a marketing department. Right. Not that I can think of, you know, and I'm right. going to all these places like, you know, where I'm physically in their stores, in their businesses, uh, even for like sales calls that I've had with more like, um, digital products, you know, mm -hmm. like we'll jump on a call, they'll have a sales, um, like presentation, they'll kind of walk through yeah. a demo or so, or they might ask you, are you in front of a computer? Great. Go to this website or I sent you a link, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so it's important to realize that no sophisticated business has any belief that they can possibly have sales reps be successful, no matter how much training we give them, no matter how highly paid they are, no matter how much experience they have, that they could possibly be successful if it's just them talking. Right. Hmm. Okay. Um, and so as and so it's very important that we realize that for ourselves, for coaches, we want to have that same sales experience. Right. We want to have that same thing where we have materials that support our sales effort. Okay. So the question then becomes, what materials? <laughs> and we don't have time to go into all the details of everything and all the different strategies. Yeah. So we're just going to go from a very high level. Of you need to start thinking about what are the things that you're going to do that directly support the sales effort in three time periods. Okay. Time period number one is before you're having the conversation with the person. Time period number two is, can you guess it? When you're having the conversation. You're, wow, you're amazing at this. And what about time period number three? After you've had that sales conversation. Garrett, you are amazing. <laughs> and so think about those three time periods and it can't be the same things. 
because if it's the same things, well, number one, it'll bore the heck out of people to get the same thing over and over and over again. But number two, the prospect is not at the same mental space before, during, and after. At the very least, you've had the conversation with them after and you haven't had the conversation with them before, which means they're going, they should be thinking about other things because you've talked to them about some stuff. Right. Right. So we let's start with the before and what we want from before. And by the way, we can have a whole separate conversation of what happens before, before the conversation, meaning how do we actually take from advertising to sales promotion pieces that, convert people from, I've seen an ad and I'm interested to, I'm scheduling an appointment, right? That's a whole separate conversation that we can I have. think that would be a really cool conversation. And if anyone who is watching uh, or you know, either live or the replay thinks it would be interesting to understand like how that transition from advertising into like pre-sales conversation works, put thumbs in the comments or say like, yes, I'm interested. And that'll help us know that we should talk we about it and that yeah. you care. But right now we're focusing on someone said, hey, I'm interested in having a conversation with you. What do we do? And in that moment, you want to be able to provide them with materials that are going to help your sales conversation be successful. And the first question you have to ask is, what do you want out of the sales conversation? And this is kind of a weird question because most people's immediate answers are what? Well, I want them to to buy. I want them to yeah. become a client. And that is, there's nothing wrong with that answer, by the way. This is not a trick question of, ha you chose the wrong a- door, right? Yeah. That is a perfectly legitimate strategy, but it's not the only strategy that some people would want. Uh, for you, for example, I know for a fact, because we've had conversations about this, one of your strategy was, I want people to cancel before I waste my time if they're not actually looking for my services. Correct. Right. And so our strategies, not only are they not just limited to, I want people to buy, which is obviously going to be a strategy for many people um, and a perfectly legitimate and good strategy, right? Outcome that we want. But we, we have other strategies and they'll evolve over time, depending on what's going on with our business, what's going on with our lives, different circumstances. Okay. But let's assume that we want them to buy, right? That's our major goal. So then the question becomes, what things need to happen beforehand to do two things? Number one, to prepare them to be in a mindset to buy. So, What things do we want them thinking about going into the sales conversation? You, for example, your niche is targeted, didn't take us long to get to niche. Your niche is targeted toward uh, women who are successful in high paying jobs, but they want to get out of the rat race and start their own businesses, right? So one of the things that would be really helpful to have them thinking about going into the sales conversation is how much they hate their current life. Interesting. The, rather than the bright and sunny future, like the sad and terrible now, or what would be uh, like the negative, right? What it would look like if they didn't make the change. Yeah. And and by the way, this isn't, you're going to bring them down. (laughs) 
this, this is you want them to be because your conversation that you're going to have with them is getting them to that bright and sunny future. Right. Totally. And thanks for clarifying that because yeah. both are in, can be really important. And I actually think that the, um, helping people see the cost of what they're doing now, you would probably know the research, but can be more motivating than just this like bright and sunny future. Yeah. Yeah. So. And the, and yes, there is research that, that supports that. <laughs> the, um, everything from, um, it, the fact that your current situation is more tangible to you. And so it's easier to relate to than a bright and sunny future that isn't tangible to you. And so while it's hopeful, it's hard for you to see yourself in it. It's easier for you to see yourself in your current situation because that's where you are. That makes total sense. Um, and so you want to think about what sales materials, what supporting things are going to help you with the idea of transitioning people from one element to another, right? From where they are to where they want to be in the future. And so this might be, you might have a worksheet. You might have a brochure that focuses much more on uh, these are the problems that I solve. Because as they read those problems, they're like, oh, yeah, I have that problem. I have that problem. I have that problem. And it frames the conversation of them coming into it already uh, having the current felt needs hmm. of what they already knew they didn't like. Otherwise, they wouldn't have big reaching out to you. But now they're feeling it going into the conversation. Gotcha. It's the reason why when you go into a bakery they pump vanilla into the main room. That's funny. Yep. Because it makes you feel hungry and wanting a sweet. And so that's what we want to do beforehand. We want to think what types of things do we want to look at with regards to framing and making them be prepared to have the conversation. And then the second part of it is what information, what materials, what elements do we need to prepare them to have the conversation? So one is sort of an emotional side of it. What framing do we want them to have? What do we want them thinking about? And the other one is having the ability to actually be able to answer the questions that you are going to be asking in the sales mm -hmm. conversation. Because if you have in your sales conversation, certain topics that are really important to address, if they come into it, where when you get to that point in the conversation and you say, okay, so let's talk about your budget. How are you, how are you feeling with control of your budget? If they're not prepared to have that conversation, if they're not ready to say, and they're not going to have their entire budget spreadsheet listed out. But if they don't have an idea of, oh, yeah, I run out of money like two weeks into the month or three weeks into the month, right? Yeah. It's going to grind that conversation to a halt. And the natural flow, that journey that you're taking them on from where they are to them realizing that that hopeful future is a possibility for them at the end of the sales conversation, 
when we get to that point where we're going to have that part of the conversation and they don't have their side of the information, which doesn't have to be detailed, it can be like really basic things, it grinds it to a halt. And so we want to think about what do we need to prepare them for. Chi asked the question uh, or said, I thought we shouldn't be telling people what problem we solve. Rather, we should be telling them what experiences they will have. So, yeah, so the experiences that they will have, you definitely want to frame your conversation through that, but realize you still have to strategically think about the problems that you're going to be solving because ultimately that's what they're going to be that's how you're going to craft your experience around it. Does that make sense, Chi? So it's a difference between your strategy, what you're doing on the background and your, how you frame it to the client and how you explain it to the client. Got it. Uh, Wally just asked, you give an example of framing. So framing the conversation. Yeah. So framing is, uh, is a, Sociocultural communication concept. <laughs> Here we go. Professor Hat yeah. back on. Uh, in which we change the way that we view things based on the perspective that we present. And so as an example, I don't know if this is going to work because I don't know exactly how my camera is angled on this computer, but let's see. Okay. I think that's going to work. So what is that? Kind of looks like a black dot in the middle of something. Okay, it looks more like a pen. Okay. And if I were to do this, is it a pen? Uh, no, it kind of looks like a stylus writing thing. It, okay. Now the object didn't change, <laughs> right? But how we look at it changes quite dramatically. As we look at having a conversation about someone's kids. If we come at it from the perspective of children are assets, that's going to completely change how we're going to have the conversation. If we come at it from the perspective of children are liabilities, that's going to completely change the framing of the conversation. Children are just money sucks. You know, they bust your budget. (laughs) Think of all the things you have to buy and pay for with kids. Uh, That's a good example. Yeah. If we come at it from the perspective of children bring happiness and joy, right. Versus children are a responsibility as a parent. By the way, responsibility doesn't mean a negative thing. You have a responsibility to, raise them into great human beings, et cetera, et cetera. But it completely changes how we're going to have the exact same conversation because we framed it in different ways. If you go and you talk to people about the, um, you talk to people about, we'll go back to children again. Uh, I'm going to use an example. I'm stealing it from a a uh, cultural anthropologist that I was just listening to a talk from this morning. Uh, but uh, so this is stolen. Uh, but if you frame it from the perspective of um, s- uh, significant, uh, consistent stress has negative psychological impacts on children. And you go to 100 people and make that statement. The most common response you're probably going to get back 
well, the most common reflect that they got back in their research yeah. was, oh, well, no, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? People uh, come out stronger from negative, uh, from stressful situations. You learn a lot from stress, right? All of these different kind of responses, which is not what childhood development professionals want to get in people's heads when they say that. Whereas if we come at that from that exact same idea, from the perspective of um, when children have significant stress, it distracts them from being able to focus on the things that are more important to them, including what parents or teachers are trying to teach them. Now we framed it from the frustration that we all feel as parents, or if anyone's a teacher, as teachers of, yeah, I've said this like nine times and they still haven't listened to me. Yeah. Uh, my favorite uh, example, and this one's my example, is just the framing of employee benefits. If you walk into an employer, you filled out all your paperwork, it's your first day, and the person in HR says, hey, Garrett, welcome to the team. Now, just to be clear, I want you, I want to make sure that you realize that you cannot receive any benefits, health benefits or anything else from this company until you've been here for at least nine months. How are you feeling right now? Not great. Yeah. If I just reframe that and say, and by the way, this is just eliminating a couple of words. Yeah. If I reframe that and say, hey, Garrett, welcome to the team. Now, I just want you to be, make sure that you're clear, that you understand that after just nine months here, you're going to get full benefits from our company. Damn you, marketing and language. <laughs> right? Yeah. It complete. It doesn't just change, you know, it's, it's a lot of people think, oh, this is just semantics, but it's not. It changes how you feel, how you think the other person feels about you. It changes whether or not you feel like the other person is on your side or not. And um, those are the types of things that we're talking about with regards to framing. It's it's the perspective that you want the person to have coming into the meeting so that it supports the conversation that you're going to have. Cool. And Wally, let us know if that made sense. If like some different or if you have a follow-up question. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's the, that's the pre. Now we need the deer. Actually, we're going to do, yeah, we'll do the deer and we'll do go in chronological order. So let's talk about the deering. And the deering the meeting is probably the area where people are the most um, lacking in. Yeah. Right. Uh, mainly because, especially if we have some successes early on, we tend to feel like, oh, great. Me just talking is all that's needed. Yeah. But every time you've talked to someone, they have a brochure. They have a, uh, a board behind them. They have a presentation. And it's important that we have those visual cues. Realize that when you are doing a sales presentation, you are as much a teacher as you are a salesperson. And teachers use visual aids because it facilitates learning. And part of what you're doing, part of what the prospect is doing is they are learning. They're learning about you. They're learning about your product or your service. They're learning about how it fits into their lives. And there's a lot of learning going on during a sales presentation. And so it's important that you have materials that support and facilitate that learning. 
You ready for a quick side tangent? Yeah. Wally had a follow-up that says it makes sense around framing, but most potential clients come for help or kind of look looking for help with budgeting and debt. But what they really want is security and freedom. Mm -hmm. So is that a question of framing? Is that a question of kind of tactics and, and kind of addressing each of those parts, right? So addressing the, the debt and budgeting piece. And then, you know, once you address those concerns, being able to move to kind of the bright and sunny future, what are your thoughts on that? So this goes directly to what she was talking about, about you want to give the experience, talk about the experience, not the product or the problems mm -hmm. of, yes, people come talking about budgeting and debt, but no one ever comes to a financial coach looking for budgeting and debt help. We all think they do. We all wish they did but that's not the case. They come to a financial coach because this is the fifth fight this week. And it's increasing between the husband and wife about the debt that they've got. And they've just finally hit a breaking point, which means, sure, they're going to want to talk about the debt because that's the underlying thing. But that's not the reason they came. They came because they're tired of fighting. Right. But what they know, because I, yeah, I feel Wally in this experience where they come in saying, well, this is what I need help with, right? Like mm -hmm. I can't do, or I've struggled putting together a budget and I know that thing will help me. So they're kind of focused on that. Um, okay. So now I see what, what, yeah. Yeah. So Perfect. it is kind of, I think there's a lot of dancing here and this is where the mm -hmm. art comes in, like addressing. Yes. Like that is something I can absolutely help you with and help you put that together so that you can start moving from proactive rather than reactive to feel like you have a sense of control of what's coming in and going out. And you know what that ultimately help with is hopefully fewer money fights, right? Like the reason that probably brought you here in the first place. Um, and I usually ask that question of like, what's the impetus yeah. for this? You know, why'd you reach out to a stranger? And then you can even maybe use that of like, okay, well, when we start addressing, you know, using the tools to address the underlying problems, like here's what's possible. Mm -hmm. So kind of hitting these different points at different times. So I would do that earlier hmm. because I would much rather not have to have that dance and take up my time in the sales meeting. And what I would do is they said to me, hey, I'm really interested in budgeting and debt. So the materials that, I, that I, I might have a brochure or a uh, sheet that I send to them, and it's a, hey, fill these couple of questions out. And when someone says, I need help with budgeting, that's what I'm really focused on. Send them that thing that says, great, we know we're going to talk about budgeting just so that I don't take over the conversation and I make sure this is about you. Answer these four questions about what you hope to get out of having a budget. And now they're coming into the conversation already having transitioned. The framing is, yeah, yeah, the budget is, yeah, we're going to do the budget, but really these are the things we care about. And now we've had that dance before you've ever had to step on the floor. That's smart. I've, started asking, or I've for a while asked questions ahead of the meeting, you know, what are your goal? What are your challenges? But mm -hmm. I like, and the idea was similar to get some of that out of the way, or at least I know it. So we don't have to spend too much time getting it, Yeah. but I like that 
to me is taking it a step further to say, what are the most common things that I get that you know, aren't, it's like our normal work with clients, right? The sessions are really valuable and we give, hopefully clients do some work outside of the sessions because that's actually yeah. when a lot of the movement happens. So it's just taking that same concept and applying it. So long story short, I like it. <laughs> I'd apply it to my own. <laughs> Good, I'm glad you like it. Cool. Uh, and so, that, so in the meeting, we want to think about what type of, what type of visual aids do we want that's going to help us take them on that journey. And notice I said it's a journey. This is not let's get in our car and start driving and see where it takes us. That's not what sales conversations are. Sales conversations are we have a definitive, know where we start. It's where the client is. We have a definitive, know where we end which is we want to get the, the client to a place psychologically where they're ready to make the next decision, which isn't always saying yes to the sale. Right? Yeah. There's a whole thing about that in launch, right? Um, but what are the steps in between that we need to go through in order to get them from that point to that point? And the nice thing about visual aids is they do a few things for you. Number one, they help you to make things that you're talking about with the client more tangible, right? Because they can see it in addition to hearing it. Mm -hmm. uh, they increase recall and understanding and they make it so that you don't get sidetracked hmm. because the presentation is locked in, right? The brochure is already printed, yep. right? Those pages on your website, when you're asked to go to a demo, right? The demo is not, hey, let's just go into the thing and play with it. It is a very very carefully crafted step-by-step -step demo that they walk you through, sometimes only with screenshots so that you can't get sidetracked. Yeah. And the reason why is because sidetracking is going to happen. We need to respect the fact that the client is not a, a silent observer, right? They are participating in this conversation. Uh, and so we're going to allow some sidetracking, but we need to have the ability to bring us right back to where we were going and pick up where we left off. And that's really hard to do when you're having a natural conversation. Yeah, I'll vouch for that. Yeah. Um, but, and it also allows us to be able to showcase things. So when you say, hey, I'm going to help you guys with a budget. Great. Guess what? People who need help with a budget don't know what the hell that means don't know what they're going to be getting, don't know what they're going to be looking at it. Here's an example of a budget. And guess what? We can talk through this together. See here, you'll see this is all your housing stuff in your budget. So you'll be able to see how much money is going toward the roof over your head. You'll also see how much money is going toward your transportation. You notice this little yellow box down here? That's going to add up all those different things that come to your car. And you're going to be a bit surprised by how much that is. So I'm just warning you, right? And they can start to experience, even though all the numbers are fake, what it's going to be like to be able to see it. <laughs> and then finally, your after conversations, right? You've had this conversation. You want them to make a decision. The decision is, I'll, I'll give you a sneak peek in, into something in launch. Saying yes and signing a contract is not the decision you're going for in the sales uh, pitch, in the sales conversation. That's not what you're trying to get to. But the but you want to get a, uh, a decision. Right? And no matter what, 
they you're going to have a significant number of people who are going to say, I don't know yet. And trying to force them, trying to push them, trying to manipulate them is not going to be effective and it's not going to feel comfortable for you. And it's not going to make them say, hey, you should go talk to Garrett too, to the other people. And so we need to figure out what sales promotions are going to be supportive of reminding them about the decision and moving them forward. Uh, I know that most of the clients that I work with, they are going to be interviewing other people. So I have a series of things that I use that are designed really specifically to do certain things. One of the things is I want to frame in their mind how they're going to compare me versus other people. And so I will send them an article about here are all the different types of financial advisors out there, right? And the pros and cons of all of them so that I can frame the types of things that they're going to be judging. I will send them a, what I call my service matrix, which is basically just a list of all my things. And I have designed the service matrix so that the way it's presented is here's all the list of different things and that, that I do. And here are, here is the hourly version of it, right? Paying me hourly. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. Okay. Uh, you know, so you can check off basically, Hey, I've got all of these things while wow, this hourly thing is going to get way too expensive, right? To help them kind of decide that. But what it also works really well for is it gives them something to be able to go, oh, I can totally use this to compare Josh versus this other person. Right? And see if this other person gives me anything. Right. Even. Now, I know what my clients are going to do afterward for other coaches where they're just looking for a lifeline, right? Because you're really specializing in something where they're just needing a lifeline. They may not be doing a lot of comparison shopping because when you are struggling and drowning, you don't go, okay, so there's a, there's a life belt and the, oh, there's a life belt. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to sit here and kind of compare the differences between the two life belts. Right. Yeah. So uh, don't think that because I said, this is what I do, that that's what everyone should do, because it really depends on what is your prospect, your niche going to do after the sales conversation. Right. Yeah. And for mine, you know, it's, there are some that comparison shop, but it seems like a much smaller number. Again, my, as we've talked about, my process is a bit different where a lot of people find me through Yelp. So they're like, mm -hmm. look, I know I need this help. You have a lot of great reviews. It seems like, you know, other people trust you. I want to just get to know you and make sure that like what I've seen on your website and who people say you are in the reviews checks out. Yeah. So it does, you know, what they would want after is going to look different than Josh. So knowing that that's your pre, that that's the conversation that you have with people. I didn't even want to say it because I'm like, I know I'm going to get put on the spot here, <laughs> you son of a gun. Uh, but knowing that that's your conversation that you have with people, um, what specifically would help them afterward? What did you say was the number one thing they're looking for out of that conversation that they are looking for out of the, out of the sales conversation? I can dive in to confirm this more. But what I said was what you said. That, yeah. Yeah. What I said was that they just want to get confirmation that who I am, like how I'm presented on my mm -hmm. website and on Yelp is like, 
that I'm that same person, that I am empathetic, that I listen, that like all the things that people have said checks out IRL, if you will, right. as yeah. the kids say. And so there is the thing that you want to make sure you have a sales promotion that for after the meeting is reinforcing and reconfirming the IRL, which, you know, for all you non-cool kids means in real life, just in case. Nailed it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so um, examples, I'm just curious as to what you would suggest for that, for that. specifically. Yeah. yeah. So I would start off with having a template email follow-up and that template email follow-up has very specific places for you to put in what they expressed was their emotional yeah right situation uh so that you can show both that you listened and that you're empathetic <laughs> right yeah. uh, i would have a um if you have a if you have a process where, and I'm talking more to the audience than to Garrett, but if you have a process where you have very structured ways of listening to what they're doing, right? I happen to know that Garrett does have this, some very structured things of here's how I'm going to actually make sure that what I, what you've said is what I heard. Well, tell them, Hey, wonderful having a conversation with you. Just wanted to let you know, here is sort of my onboarding process with three highlighted things of some things that we're going to do. And then, oh my God, well, this is great. Here's empathy in this exercise. Here's listening in this exercise, right? It's that evidence of what they saw in the reviews, what they think they experienced in the conversation with you. And now I can see the evidence of the actual process shows that as well. Right? Um, and so it might be a, a templated email. It might include a sort of a brochure of, hey, here's what the next steps are. Right. Um, and different things like that. Yeah. I, I like the idea of doing a brochure for the templated because I write, yeah, I have an email template, but I even think like having, and I send them ahead of time, kind of what different program options there are, but even just as like next steps, like a super way to make it just make yeah. what I send them almost prettier, you know, like Canva template, add branding and logo mm -hmm. as Josh will always say, um, could even, part of me is like record a video if it's more personable, although mm -hmm. they did just get off a video with me, but I, I like this because it gives options to think about, um, in ways to make it even more personal, professional. Again, coaching is unregulated. And I think a lot of people know that, um, yeah. whether it's life coaching or health coaching, there is a, I mean, I know that there are life coaching certifications, but it's still, there is some doubt in the professionalism and or follow through of coaches. And so I found the more, at least for my people that um, just give them information ahead of time, ask questions like follow up with, here's what it's going to look like. Here's what you're going to get. And just kind of let them know what the next stages of the process are. There's a lot of relief. I'm like, Oh, wow. Okay. You know what you're talking about? You have this vision for what it's going to look like. I trust right, what you're saying. But the key thing is what is the client? looking for? What questions are they having? Why are they having the conversation with you so that you can align those things with what their needs are and the decision they're going to be making? Because they're going to make the decision whether you align or not. <laughs> Say, Josh, it sounds like you're starting to go into your launch spiel in uh, yeah, I remember what, what week that is, which is great, <laughs> right? Always putting the client at the center and it's not about the journey you want to take them on. 
it's meeting them where they are in their journey. So that's a very, very important point to make. And I think a way that you help make sales less icky and crappy because it's always putting the client or the prospect in their journey at the center. Yeah. And with that, I think it's also a great place to end. I would completely agree. Thank you for everyone who showed up, who asked questions. Yeah, she was like, IRL? Uh, Sorry, you're not one of the cool kids, Chi, but hopefully our education can help you be so hip and rad. Um, I think the pronunciation is hep. Hep? No. You're wrong, Grandpa, but nice try. (laughs) Thanks as always, and we'll see you all next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, It also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.